Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high if you're reading from your cell phone. Lift it up like you have big biceps and show it off. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A nice shirt, Pastor T. I know. Still talking about uh, the God kind of prosperity and how we can tap into the grace of prosperity. Uh, what happened was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Ashley Teradez came out with his beautiful wife, uh, Kali, and he taught on a message on prosperity. So what he did is he opened a can of jewels and he was just going at it because he didn't have much time. And uh, I thought, you know what, this has such been a, a tremendous teaching. Why don't we continue on the same breath? And then when we uh, meet again in October, we'll continue on what we were talking about, every prayer answered. Amen? So we're still talking about the God kind of prosperity. And the minute you say prosperity in most parts, most parts of the body of Christ, people turn off. They don't want to listen anymore because they think you're now talking about the prosperity gospel, which you won't find in scripture. You won't find anything called the prosperity gospel. You won't find anything called the uh, grace message. You won't find any of the things that people are branding, word of faith. You won't find none of that. You won't find any of them saying, you know, I'm a word of faith teacher. You won't find the apostle Paul saying, I'm a prosperity teacher. You won't find Jesus saying any of that. What do they do? They teach the whole counsel of God. And out of it, you will get prosperity. Out of it, you will receive the grace of God, which Jesus paid for on the cross. Amen? Out of it, you will begin to encounter all these marvelous things that God has in store for you. Amen? Amen. So, you know, I know a lot of people try to figure me out. They're like, man, are you a prosperity preacher? Are you a grace preacher? Are you a word of faith? And I tell them, just quit. I'm none of that. I'm a new covenant preacher. Because the Bible says we have a new covenant established on better promises, plural. And these promises cover the whole spectrum. There is healing in the promises. But I'm not a healing preacher. But you'll get healing if you teach the new covenant. Amen? So forget about the branding. And let's just teach the word. Amen? Gospel has... Uh, uh, the power of God is in the gospel. The power of God to transform is found in the gospel. And prosperity is a part of the plan. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26. And we're going to read in the message Bible. Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26. I really meant it. It's a nice shirt. <laughs> I am playing. <laughs> no, I wasn't playing. Some of you think, man, he was just joking. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Watch what he says in verse 26. This is God speaking. God spoke, and I believe he's speaking to the Godhead. He says, let us make man, let us make human beings in our image. Make them, make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. So I have a question for you this morning. Who is responsible? Man. God created man and he said they're going to be responsible for the fish of the sea. They're going to be responsible for the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves upon the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike. Next verse. 
reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. And God blessed them. Open inverted commas. You see it? So now we are getting ready to read the first thing mankind ever heard from God. Can you see it? Open inverted commas. These are the words that mankind ever heard from God, from the mouth of God. And the first word that mankind ever heard from the mouth of God was prosper. I mean, God could have said rapture. (laughs) You could have said, hold on. Things will get tough. There's highs and lows on the road of life. But it will get better when we get to the other side with Peter, James, and John. No, he didn't say that. He said prosper. So prosperity is not a man-made idea. It is, it is not a Western world idea. It is God's original intent for his children. Prosper. He even repeated it in Jeremiah chapter number 29 verse 11. He says, I have a plan for you. In case you don't know what this plan is, this plan is not to harm you. So if you go into God's master plan, you won't see anything that says harm my children to teach them a lesson. He says this plan is not to harm you. This plan is to prosper you. And not only that, give you a hope and a future. So God wants you to prosper. He wants you to prosper physically. He wants you to prosper in your health. In your health. He wants you to prosper uh, financially. He wants you to prosper relationally. It is God's original intent for mankind. He said prosper. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 verse 9 as we primarily talk about prospering in the financial realm. Prospering in the financial realm. Amen. With that, we're going to sow all uh, our offerings for uh, today's services to the uh, uh, Caris Bible College missions uh, with these uh, uh, students so that they can have the next missions trip on us. Amen. So we're going to be sowing it into that. Second Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9 in the King James Bible, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He says, for you know the grace, someone say grace. Grace. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Yet for your sake, he became poor. We're getting ready to read what that grace is. He says, though Jesus Christ was rich. You know, a lot of people get tripped up by this uh, statement that Jesus Christ was rich. I mean, you couldn't have been poor. He looked after 12 grown men for three and a half years. (laughs) Try looking after 12 of them for a weekend. And you will know it takes some money. It takes some means. So this dude, he couldn't have been poor. So he says here, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for whose sakes? Our sake. He became what? Poor. So that you, through his poverty, might. I like that word, might. He says, so that you through his poverty might be rich. That word might uh, uh, indicates permission. He says, now it's a covenant, right? And not only that, it's a covenant permission that has been granted to God's children to become rich. He's not going to force it on anybody. 
Because there's some people who genuinely don't want to get rich. They are great. They, they love, uh, you know, social grants. They would kill for them. But that's not God's will for you. God's will for you is so that you might become rich. What's the end game for that? So that you can become a blessing to someone else. Amen? We read last week in the book of James, and the Bible said to us in the book of James, if someone comes to your house, James chapter number 2, and they are cold and they are hungry, it would be futile for you to tell them, go in peace and be well. He says that's faith without works and it's dead. He says the best way to help someone who's cold and who does not have food is to get them a coat and to get them some food. And you can only get someone a coat and some food if you have means yourself. So the reason why God wants you to have means, it is so that you can be a blessing. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 verse 9 reveals to us what this grace of prosperity is. It is uh, what Jesus paid for on the cross so that you and I can become rich. And here's what's interesting about a grace. It is uh, 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 only accessed by faith. You know, the Bible says in Titus, I believe 2.11, uh, it says the grace of God which, be, which brings salvation has appeared to all men. In other words, Jesus has died for everybody. Yeah. And salvation is available to everybody. And the question is, how come everyone is not saved? Simple answer. Everyone has not responded by faith. It's the same thing with 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9. How come everyone is not prospering? Because everybody has not responded by faith. How do you connect to the grace of prosperity? You connect to it by being generous. Man, you can cut it whichever way you want. You can slice it. You can take it for an oil change. You can bake it. You can put it in the freezer and freeze it and then put it in the microwave to defrost it. It will still come out the same. Those that give will receive. It will still come out the same. There is he who scatters yet increases. And there is he who withholds more than his meat and it tends to poverty. It doesn't matter what you do with it. It still comes out the same. The way you tap into the uh, grace of prosperity is by being generous. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That didn't go over so well. (laughs) And I'm not preaching works. You know, there are two kinds of works in the Bible. There is what is called the works of the law in Galatians 2, 2 chapter number 16. It says we should not have works of the law. And in James chapter number 1, all the way through, there is what is called the works of faith. What's the difference, Tafara, you may ask? Two guys are sitting at the bar watching uh, rugby. Uh, uh, Springbok versus All Blacks. Now I can pridefully say Springboks versus All Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> and the Springboks are beating the All Blacks. And the first guy said to the other guy, you know what, I have to go home. I have to go home by 7.30. Because my wife said, if I get home after 7.30 p.m., I'm sleeping on the couch. So I have to go home. And then he takes off and he goes home. And the second guy says, you know what, I want to go home. Because I want to get to the house before 7.30 so that I can, you know, read a bedtime story to the kids. So that I can spend time with my wife. So that I can tuck them in and make sure that they are in, uh, in their room and they're, that they're safe. And if you go to both of the guys' house, will you find both of them? I didn't hear that. Both of them are at home. But the first one went home because he was afraid of his wife. He was motivated by fear. 
So he went home because his, his motivation is fear. He probably got to the house at 7.29, 55 seconds, 57, 58, 59, and he stepped in. And guess what? He didn't break the law. But he doesn't want to be there. So he's motivated by fear. He's motivated by the work. I remember when I used to tithe, motivated by fear and by works. Man, I used to give God to the penny. Point twenty three cents. You know why? Because I wanted to make sure, God, I'm not stealing from you, but you will not steal from me. <laughs> so my attitude was messed up. My attitude was messed up. But the second guy, because he wants to go home, is motivated by love for his children. He's motivated by love to spend time with his wife. He's motivated. He wants to be there. You'll probably get there at 10 past 7. And his attitude will show it. Because he wants to be there. So your, your, your actions, your works, your giving, your generosity, your generosity should not stem from you know, being greedy. Slot machine type mentality. I'm going to give to God and yank the machine and whatever comes out, I'll take and run. No, it should be motivated by the love for the kingdom and what God is doing in the earth realm and saying, I want to be a part of that. So I'm going to sow so that I can get, so I can get an opportunity to even sow more. So it always goes back to generosity. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and we're going to read from verse 10. What is the purpose for prosperity? The purpose for prosperity is so that we can be a blessing to someone else. It is so that we can finance the preaching of the gospel. Amen? I said amen. amen. The kingdom has to take priority over everything else we do. Remember the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6, 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. Remember the story? And we said mammon goes beyond just money. Mammon is a spirit of material things. Mammon can sneak up, sneak up on you. Mammon is not even seen in some instances. I'll share my own story. A little embarrassing. Uh, at the beginning of another year, my wife and I sat down, and my wife and I had just traveled to Australia with our kids to Melbourne. And when we came back, you know, I was looking at the news, and I was looking at all the junk status and everything that they were saying. And in the natural, I was thinking, you know what? I'm not about to donate another minute to a failed state. So my wife and I were getting ready to check out, to go to Melbourne. Not inspired by the Holy Ghost, but inspired by material things. Because, man, when I stepped out of Melbourne, man, that place, the weather is beautiful. They have a beach in Melbourne. Or not only that, it was voted the most livable city in the world three times in the row. Not only that, they wanted me. <laughs> I wasn't forcing my way in. They wanted me. We went to an immigration uh, consultant. They said, man, I can roll a red carpet for you right into Melbourne. Man, I started Googling and seeing all these beautiful jobs, all these beautiful homes. I had it in my mind, but it was inspired purely by material things, by a good life. Is that sin? No, it's not sin, but it was going to take me way out of God's will. It even changed my prayers. Man, my prayer life changed. 
It became, every time I would go into the prayer closet, it was more a motivation of what I wanted to do. I would tell God, God, you know, I'm not going to leave you. You you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'll still worship you. You are my God, Lord. Where can I go where you are not? (laughs) If I make my bed in hell, you are there. (laughs) If I go to Melbourne, Australia, you are there. (laughs) Where can I go, (laughs) Man, have you ever noticed sometimes we make our own plans and then we try to sprinkle God all over it? (laughs) Just get some of that God and you know, <laughs> sprinkle all over it. My wife said, you know what, we should pray about this. Because it was motivated by fear of what's going on in the country, all this news and what they're saying and so on and so forth. And uh, man, it was motivated by all kinds of stuff. But I'll tell you the spirit behind that fear is mammon. I changed my source from God to self. I've got to make things happen. And guess what? If I'm making things happen, then I need to be in Melbourne, Australia. But if God is making things happen, then I need to be in his will. Because the safest place to be in the whole wide world is in God's will. Man, you could be in the middle of the bush somewhere, tending sheep. But if you're in God's will, God will make sure that you're promoted right into the palace. He will bring the opportunity right before you. And I cannot tell you how many opportunities I have missed. I'm not talking about opportunities for self-promotion. I'm talking opportunities to see lives transformed by what we are doing in South Africa and where God has called us to be. Would have missed all of that by listening to the voice of money, the voice of material things. And how do you dethrone that voice of mammon? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. I know some of you have done the same. You know, you've thought about it. (laughs) Man, when you get three jobs and an opportunity to stay right where you are and minister to people, what happens in your mind is, man, this job, it looks good. I need to take this job. And, and, And man, when you take that job, sometimes you can miss what God has in store for you, which is way bigger than just a job. Man, we need to be in the will of God. My wife and I started praying, and God told us expressly that he wanted us to be here in Johannesburg, South Africa. And ever since, we've seen so many doors of opportunity in the ministry open. I mean, I cannot even tell you the things that are lined up for the uh, uh, coming year and for the future that are just glorious and awesome that we would have missed being a part of by listening to the voice of mammon and listening to the voice of money. Man, if the voice of money can almost convince me, and I'm the pastor. (laughs) Man, we need to dethrone this thing. I mean, this dude almost convinced me. And it changes everything. I'm like, Lord, then if I get a better job, I start tithing more. (laughs) You know, you're trying to motivate God. Get him stirred up. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's not how it works. 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, maybe we should read from verse 8, if you will, in the Amplified Bible, please. Verse 8 in the Amplified Bible. Uh, yes, Amplified, please. Thank you, sir. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, Amplified. We got it? 
Oh, there it is. And it says, and God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. God is able to do this. Every favor and every earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Here's the reason. So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. He's saying God is able to bring you an abundance. And he's saying once that abundance comes, it will not only take care of your needs, but it will give you the ability to minister to someone else. Or to give to every good work and every charitable donation. Remember that dude in Luke 12? His ground was about to produce much harvest. And Jesus was giving a parable and he said, this dude said within himself, what am I going to do? My ground is about to bring about much harvest. And he thought within himself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my old barns and build new ones. In other words, I'm going to build a bigger space for hoarding. I mean, when your ground produces abundance, the first thing that should come to your mind is, where should I give the abundance to? Lord, speak to me. I know the abundance is for someone else. But for most of us, when the ground yields abundance, the first thing we, that comes to our mind is, I need to upgrade my tastes. You know, I used to show up at four ways more. Now, I'm moving over to Santon. And then we consume it upon ourselves. That's not what prosperity is for. Prosperity is to bring us an abundance so that we can be a blessing to someone else. So this dude tore, out, tore down his barns and built new ones, getting ready to receive his harvest. And you know what happened? The Bible says his soul was required of that night. In other words, he D-I-E-D, he died. The guy died on the very day that he won the jackpot. Can you imagine? (laughs) And here's what we know without proving it. Someone else ate that food. (laughs) Here's what we know. Someone else wore that Rolex. Someone else drove that car. Someone else spent that money. You know, I still need to prove this with the lawyers, but if the government, if someone dies and they don't have anyone uh, on their will to take over that inheritance, I think they'll make sure that someone else, you know, takes care of that kind of stuff. They'll just make sure they auction it. They just make sure it's taken care of by the living. (laughs) What am I saying? What I'm saying is we are taking none of this stuff with us, the only thing we are taking with us is the lives that we have transformed. This is why we have said in this church, we only measure success by the transformed lives. We don't measure success by the number of people that come and sit in our pews. We don't measure success by what our budget says. We only, purely measure success by the transformed lives of the people of God. Because that's the only thing we are taking with us to heaven. Amen? Amen? So this dude hadn't read this scripture. Watch what he says in verse 9. Next verse. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. 
his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure how long? Notice he says his deeds of justice, goodness, not good-lookingness, goodness. In other words, ministration of goodness to others. Kindness, it all involves ministering to someone else. Benevolence, with his uh, extravagant generosity. He says these kind of actions, these kind of acts, these kind of deeds endure forever. This is what you can take with you into heaven. Next verse. It it gets even better. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide what? And multiply your resources for eating. Let me read it again. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for yourself. For spending. No, it says here, he multiplies your resources so that we can go back to sowing. The end game is always sowing. It's never spending. And once you're in the cycle of sowing, you yourself will be taken care of. How? God will take care of you. You know, I remember as we were getting ready to bring Carly and Ashley to come out to Johannesburg, we called a friend of ours, Marcus, and we said, you know, we want to get them to come out. And he gave us uh, Ashley's phone number. So we called Ashley on the phone and I was listening. My wife talking to Ashley on speaker. And uh, Ashley said to my wife, you know what? Ah, we always travel together as a team. And I said, no. <laughs> Bind that spirit. We want one person. You know why? Because immediately the voice of mammon started speaking. The voice of material things. The voice of limitation started speaking. And he said, if you're going to get both of them, where is you going to get the money for both? And the Holy Spirit also spoke in that very exact moment. He said, get both of them. I'll take care of it. Amen. I said, are you sure? <laughs> he said, yes, I will. So I said to my wife, they can come. And she said, we'll get both of you. And here's what happened. And I think it was supernatural. They said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our own tickets. And then you will reimburse us. Thank God they did that. I'm being serious now. Because if they hadn't, if they had asked me to get their ticket to come to Johannesburg, they would have gone through the whole world to get here. Because I would have gotten the cheapest ticket. That flies through Iran, Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, and then you come to Joburg for 200 rand. So they went and bought their own tickets. And it was 3,000 US dollars. And they sent us the bill. I almost fell off my chair at the church office. 3,000 US dollars for the tickets. And I said, what am I going to do with this? And the Holy Spirit said, I told you I'll take care of it. Relax. 
And I sat down, and, uh, you know, they, we figured out there are two weekends coming out to uh, South Africa. So I phoned one of my friends in Cape Town, Shane. I said, Shane, uh, Kali and Ashley are coming out, and they have two weekends. Would you like to host them for the first weekend? And the reason I did this was because I knew there's nothing to see in Johannesburg. <laughs> so to make their trip worthwhile, let's get them to at least go to some civilization. <laughs> And see the beach and do something nice and, you know, Cape Town, Table Mountain. There are things to do. You know, in Jobek, it's just traffic and, you know, work. And back, back in traffic, back at home. And then, obviously, food, you know. So I said, you can go to Cape Town. And Shane reached out to me. He said, man, I've been trying to get them since 2013. This is a prayer answered. Can I also contribute on the, this is on a voice note on WhatsApp. Can I also contribute on the, on the ticket? Uh, bringing them in. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And immediately, while I'm celebrating, the Holy Spirit says, don't take his money. I said, Lord, I hope you know what you're doing. Because <laughs> this is getting extreme. And then we get to the Designer Life event, and I'm praying, I'm trusting God for a bumper offering to cover all the costs. And the Lord said, bless them with all the offerings for all the meetings. I said, Lord, now I need to pray for you. (laughs) I'm like, man, this this is ridiculous. But you won't believe this. The day came for them to fly back, and they missed their flight. And Delta put them up in a hotel. And I was talking to Ashley two days ago. We spoke on the phone for 15 minutes. And I'm going to tell you what he said to me. They put them up in, uh, at the hotel in, at the airport, and the next day they, you know, uh, flew them out to Colorado. And as he touched down, he sent me a message, and he said, Tafara, you won't believe this. Delta just called me, just got off the phone with Delta, and they said they're going to reimburse us of all our tickets money. And I sent him a message. I said, no, you're tripping. They're going to re- reimburse us of the leg that they delayed you. He said, no, you are tripping. <laughs> they are going to reimburse us of both legs. I kid you not, Delta sent 3,000 U.S. dollars into Ashley's account, which in turn sent into our church account. You know what that means? That, we, that means we paid 0,000000. You can put how many ever zeros you want for his ticket to come and minister at the Designer Life Conference. Now, he's talking to his friends who work for Delta. And they told him, we have never heard of anything like this happen before. And I believe it's God. And I believe that's what happens when we tap into the supernatural provision of understanding that money does not govern us. Money should not dictate how we make our decisions. Money should not dictate what we live where we live, what we eat, it should not dictate anything. God should. And the way you dethrone money from being the loudest voice in your mind is by doing with it what God tells you to do with it. Because if you don't, that money is going to start telling you what to do with God. And then you will try to do what I tried to do with relocating to Melbourne. You, you, man, your prayer life will change. 
You, your prayer life will become a manipulation uh, uh, a summary to God. Every single day you're trying to twist his arm and so on. And money will, mammon will be telling you this is how you uh, uh, should run these things because you're just trying to get ahead of life. Amen? You should never listen to what resources tell you. You should tell resources what to do. And the way you do that, the starting point is to listen to the voice of God when it comes to money. When God says give it away, give it away. When God says move, move. Man, I learned it practically. When God says move, you move. And when you do, God will prosper you. He says he multiplies your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which is manifest itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Did you see it? Let us go now uh, to Philippians chapter number 4 verse 17. Now, we have two minutes, 30 seconds left, so let's skip that. Uh, let's go to Second Corinthians, chapter number 12, verse 13, as we close. Someone shout, I'm prosperous. I'm prosperous. Someone shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Therefore, yes. I, am a I am a blessing to my church, to, my church. to the kingdom of God, kingdom to, my family, to my family, to my friends. To my friends. Someone shout, I am, I am the distribution channel for God's provision, for God's goodness. Amen. That's who you are. And when you position yourself to be a distribution channel, you will not go with your needs unmet. God will meet every need that you have. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing uh, to the church at Corinth. Just to give you a brief uh, preview before we read this scripture, the church at Corinth was laden with spiritual gifts. It was one of the most gifted church in the history of the church. Amen? I mean, they had spiritual gifts just firing in all cylinders. And here the Apostle Paul shows up and he says something very interesting to this church. He says, for in what respect were you put to a disadvantage in comparison with the rest of the churches? He's saying, you guys are at a disadvantage in comparison to other churches. Did you read it? Man, if I was the pastor of that church, I would want to know what's putting us at a disadvantage so that I can fix it. Wouldn't you? He says, man, in comparison to the rest of the churches, you had a disadvantage. And then he explains why they had a disadvantage. He says, unless it was for the fact that I myself did not burden you with my financial support. Wait a minute, Paul. If we don't give to you, it's you who's at a disadvantage, not us. No. When you don't participate in giving, it's you, the person who's holding back, who puts yourself in a place of disadvantage. I was recording a broadcast with Ashley, and he said something real powerful. He said when people come to him and they said, Ashley, I can't afford to give, he says, no, you can't afford not to give. The Apostle Paul is saying, man, not giving, not giving you an opportunity to connect to what I'm doing in the kingdom has put you at a place of disadvantage. And he has the audacity to end this verse this way. Pardon me. Forgive me for doing you this what? 
I didn't hear that. Man, it's an injustice when we don't give you an opportunity to give. You know, and I always say this. When this church, we're going to get to that place where all our bills are paid. We have a billion dollars uh, uh, in the account uh, and well taken care of. We're going to get to that place, but we'll still take an offering. Because taking an offering has got nothing to do with the bills that needs to be paid. Taking an offering has everything to do with the giver so that they can connect with what God is doing in the kingdom. Man, this will radically change the way you think. You're not doing a favor to the church when you're giving. You're doing a favor to yourself. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.17, it's not that we are eager for offerings. We're not eager for the gift. What we are eager for is the credit, the fruit that will abound to your account. There is a corresponding action that happens every time you give. There's something that happens in your account. One of my favorite scriptures in this season is Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, there's he who scatters. And that word scatters is a, is a word picture for someone who's extravagantly generous. They give to everything. It's a farmer who's walking around with a seed bag and they dip their hand in the seed bag and they just scatter seed everywhere. It says, there's one who scatters yet increases. And then he flips it. He says there is one who withholds more than his meat. And yet it tends to poverty. And he goes on to say in verse 25, the liberal soul or the generous person shall be made to prosper. You know why it works like that? Because generosity has an effect on your mindset. The number one reason why people don't give is because they believe they don't have. I cannot tell you how many people have come to my office and say, Pastor T, I don't give because I don't have. And unfortunately, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart. That's the mindset that has plagued our continent. We think we don't have. It is also known as a lack mentality. Someone shout, I have everything that I need to do what God has called me to do. Someone shout, all my needs needs are met by faith faith. in Jesus' name. name. You know what that means? That means when God instructs you to do something, you're not going to bring your needs into consideration before you do it. You just say, yes, Lord. And then he'll take care of the rest. Man, I'm telling you, we can dethrone mammon today. Right now. And say we'll never listen again to the voice of money in decision making. I'm a witness. If I did, I would be in Melbourne, Australia right now. And it was purely, it's not seen. I hope you get it. But you can miss the will of God. And when you get to heaven... You know why God, the Bible says God will wipe tears off people's eyes? When we get to heaven and see the perfect picture of what it could have looked like had we stayed in the will of God, man, people are going to start crying. I made it in heaven, but man, I had a tough 80 years down there. 
Lord, you're telling me all I needed to do. How many of you know that I could have missed this supernatural miracle of getting a refund of 3,000? And I said to the Holy Spirit, you know what? We can't afford it. I could have missed it. And I would have found out in heaven. And I'll be the first to tell you, I would have cried about it. (laughs) We need to dethrone the voice of mammon. We need to put money in his place. It's a servant. It's not a master. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, we thank you for we know you are a good God. Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us this gift of prosperity so that we can be a blessing to others. Father, we thank you that as we leave this place this morning, our hearts are pure. Our hearts are ready to handle this abundance that you have for us and to know that you have given it to us so that we can be a blessing to this nation. We are not a basket case. Africa is not a basket case. We, have, we are filled with every good thing. We are a blessing to other continents. We do not walk around with empty hands saying please, please, please to other people. We know that God has blessed us with every good thing that pertains to life and godliness. And so Lord, we will start walking in that conviction from today onwards. We are not beggars, we are sons. And sons have an inheritance. And Father, we thank you that we walk and live in that inheritance. In the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed and everyone said amen. Well, if you're here, you have pain and or sickness in your body, we want to pray for you before we go. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand wherever you are. If you have pain and or sickness in your body, this is a pain-free zone. Amen? We won't let you walk out of here with that pain. We want to lay hands on you and make sure that you're set free from that pain. Why don't you lift your hand wherever you are. If you're here and you've been living a life of stress, fear, worry, and anxiety, we want to pray for you. God has a peace for you that surpasses all understanding. That goes beyond what you can figure out. We want to pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. If you're one of those two, I see those hands. God bless you. Come on. Lift them up real high so that people around you can see them. And we want to just walk around and and pray for you. Come on, look around. If you see any hands, just lay hands on them. Make a point of contact. And begin to speak life to those bodies. This is what you should be doing at work. When people come and they say, I ain't feeling well. Man, speak life to those bodies. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for healing. Father, we thank you for healing is a provision in the cross. Father, we thank you that you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, Jesus, and with his stripes we are healed. And so, Father, we speak to everybody that is in pain and affliction this morning, and we release life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your peace, your supernatural peace. That goes beyond what we can figure out. Father, we thank you 
that it is taking rulership, taking reign over every single soul that is tormented in this place. Father, we thank you that you're thrusting them into a place of peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. We call on the storm in the workplace to quiet down and be still. We call on the storms of life to quiet down and be still in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Wasn't that awesome? Man, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's cool.